Yep. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I will call to order meeting Monday, February 26, 2024, to order at 1.30 p.m. And we'll begin with our work session discussion regarding noise regulations. Thank you, Mayor. I think uh, one of the reasons we decided to go ahead and bring this to you now is you know, you've, you've had us look at ordinances over the years, make sure we're keeping up to date and current ordinances, looking at all the old stuff. So this is part of the rotation anyway. But with all of the residents that came out and showed up uh, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, when we had the data center here, figured it's a good, as good a time as any to talk about this issue now, especially with things like Harvest Point coming to fruition uh, well, there'll be outside music and all that. It's probably appropriate time to talk about it. So uh, we're going to turn it over to Matt Jones. All right, Mr. Jones. Thank you, Mr. Smolinski, Mayor, City Council. Sure. As our city manager did state, we just wanted to bring this to you uh, to give you some uh, information on what we're doing currently, on what some other municipalities are doing in, in terms of regulating noise as a nuisance. Uh, so just wanted to give you a background and some update and see if uh, you wanted to give us any direction on doing anything different than we currently do in these regulations. So uh, just this slide for your information, uh, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health has just established some uh, data points in terms of exposure to different noise levels. And I'll get to a chart here in a second, which kind of gives you examples of these different DBAs, but they have said for, um, uh, exposure uh, in the workforce. These are reasonable uh, expectations and exposure uh, that would show um, potential uh, defects or uh, effects on a person's hearing uh, if they're exposed to these types of limits uh, for a prolonged period of time. Uh, so you can see here uh, the different DBA levels and what that looks like. Um, I'll get to the chart in a minute that explains uh, and shows how some of the different cities measure that in terms of a nuisance uh, for the noise regulation. So here's the, um, the chart. Uh, so you can see here that average sound level uh, in the middle column there, and then it's associated everyday noises. So you can see a washing machine and a dishwasher there in the yellow level. Um, you may feel annoyed by the noise or you may feel even very annoyed by noise uh, sitting in traffic, uh, but those things uh, or even a prolonged exposure don't necessarily uh, provide any damage or hearing loss. It's when you get into the gas-powered um, lawnmowers, blowers, motorcycles, uh, and different uh, types of transportation that a prolonged effect or exposure to those types of noises uh, would even cause hearing loss and definitely be uh, considered as a nuisance. So uh, we took a look. I, I, Code Regulatory Compliance took a look along with our planning department and just put together a little bit of data for you. Uh, so you can see we kind of took a look at some several cities within the Metroplex, uh, Plano, uh, one in specifically that was where there is a data center uh, right next to Legacy West, which is one of their major entertainment and retail uh, corridors. And then Prineville, Oregon, uh, that's actually the location of the largest, largest data center. Uh, in the U.S. So we included their regulations just for comparison. 
So these are the comparison. Hopefully that's uh, at least uh, you can see that okay. So currently uh, you can see Mansfield up there. Uh, we do not have a current decibel level. Uh, we regulate noise. We have quiet hours essentially from 11 uh, p.m. to 7 a.m. And then we define several different types of noises that would constitute uh, operating outside of that. So leaf blowers, uh, playing musical instruments, having a concert, uh, anything like that between the hours of 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. are actually prohibited, uh, and those are under disturbance of the peace. So if your neighbor is having a concert in their backyard at 2 a.m., uh, we have the ability to go down there and, and uh, act, uh, cause them to cease that concert. Uh, so that is how we are currently doing it. Um, we can get into that a little bit specifically, but I'll give you a second just to look over these uh, several cities, Addison, uh, Cleburne, Dallas even do not, uh, Frisco do not have a decibel level. And then you can see some of the different um, municipalities, Grand Prairie included, Plano included, who have the decibel uh, level that they, that they regulate as well as hours of operation. And then on the far right, you can see the, the, the location uh, of the enforcement. So right now in Mansfield, the disturbance of the peace for noises is under our general offenses, uh, which gives our PD the ability to go look at that. Um, so we just wanted to provide this to you uh, with the, like I said, the data center, um, some other things you might have seen in the news are the uh, Bitcoin mining, uh, and those produce uh, some noise. Uh, staff was able to take a follow-up visit to Plano, uh, to the Align data center up there, and we were not able to record a, an audible noise coming from that facility uh, during their hours of operation. Um, so again, we just wanted to provide this and see what other communities are doing and see if you had any input uh, or otherwise that you would like us to look at in terms of, of regulating nuisances. Um, whether that's a DBA or if that's by a, a land use category, industrial or otherwise, because uh, currently we're just uh, taking care of those complaints as they come in as a disturbance of the peace. Okay. All right, Ms. Bounds has a question for you. So when you are looking at all of these city regulations and based on our own gas well one, um, they typically have and did these have um, a range for that frequency over a period of time before it becomes a violation. So over a 10 minute time, over a 20 minute time, et cetera, or did they just say it's 65 decibels during the daytime period? Yeah, um, no offense to attorneys, but a lot of it may have been written by attorneys because it says reasonable. Um, <laughs> and, and so I think that's a little <laughs> bit subjective. Um, but it, it, there's no one hard and fast. It's kind of over the books. Um, in my prior experience in, a, in another municipality uh, where it was regulated, uh, we had to send um, city staff into people's backyards on their patio uh, to observe the noise level of, of their neighbors running like a miter saw or something during the day in, in their garage. So um, there, there is no one way to do it, as you can see here. I mean, this is just some, some of that we pulled, uh, but typically um, it dates back to a, a reasonable expectation of the noise. Uh, it doesn't say, you know, eight times over a 60-minute period. Okay. Um, and then... I, I'd just be real careful on trying to nail down a specific ordinance because you are absolutely right. You'd have to go there. You'd have to have a, a calibrated machine to be able to read it, to make sure that it's 
truly a disturbance over a period of time. Um, so if I think as long as we can keep something general would be a good idea. Yeah, and we do have that ability today yes, outside of these do. hours. Uh, so we do have, and it, it was determined that, you know, between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m., those were reasonable quiet time, uh, if you will. So if you were outside of that, we do, we do have that flexibility today to regulate that. We just didn't know if you wanted to go above and beyond that or us to look at anything further at this point. Left, all right, right, all good. <laughs> all right, go ahead, uh, Mr. Nor. No, I, I really like what Grand Prairie's done. I like the entertainment portion of it, especially as we uh, build out the stadium and and possibly Mansfield Live. Uh, you're going to have to allow bands to play past nine p.m. So. Obviously, there was some thought process going to what Grand Prairie put in place. There seems to be a little more involved in the other cities, but that would be my recommendation. Try not to recreate the wheel here and, and basically, you know, do what our neighbors are doing. So when it says entertainment, is that uh, within an entertainment district, so to speak? Yes, correct. So okay. like Epic uh, around their stadium and things of the nature. Uh, that way, if you have concerts and, and the like that go past the 11 p.m., uh, they're able to do so without without any any issues. So that's something that we did talk about as a staff, um, you know, with the different projects, the stadium, some things coming downtown. Uh, it may be appropriate uh, to adopt something that has an entertainment district that we can define as a geographic region uh, that we think it's reasonable to have, you know, concerts or, or things or events, you know, outside of the, the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, we're certainly open to looking at something like that and bringing it before you. Okay, Mr. Lewis. Uh, I, I agree with Mr. Shinori, and now's probably the time to go ahead and begin at least in an entertainment district area, uh, rather than try to remember when the stadium is built to also adjust this side, but outside of that, uh, to Councilwoman Bounds point, getting real specific with the decibel level, if it if somebody calls on this and it's at 64 and we've capped it at 65, you know, they're not going to be thrilled because they called anyway versus leaving it kind of to discretion as as it's out there rather than something nailed down hard and fast. You know, if it's for 10 minutes prolonged over 65 decibels and the cop is sitting out there with their deci calibrated decibel meter and it says 64 and they say, sorry, they didn't break the, <laughs> they didn't break the law, I can't do anything, that person's not going to be thrilled either with the outcome. So um, I, I like the general offenses bucket of it, but do think that at some point uh, there will be parts of the city that um, 11 p.m. is probably too early on a weekend for a quiet time if there's concerts and things happening. Okay. All right, Ms. Short. I, yes, it was my understanding that this kind of leaves us open. I mean, I, I know the 11 p.m., I don't know that I would be open to things happening after 11 p.m., even in an entertainment district. I mean, I would think typically concerts are over prior to that, but I'm old, so I don't know. <laughs> but we, 
We don't want to put the numbers in there, so I just want to make sure I'm understanding, understanding what other council members are wanting. It's just changing the time, not changing, not adding in decibel levels and such. I think the direction we would take from the discussion is creating entertainment districts that only amend the times in those districts. So the, the majority of Mansfield would remain the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., but only within like an entertainment district like Harvest Point. Um, so if, you know, Rev scheduled a concert that went past 11, that we weren't violating our, our own regulations in that. Yeah. All right. Y'all good. All right. Council, let me ask you this then. What, what, what suggested time in regard to the entertainment district uh, would uh, we be able to stomach? There was a given time. I think most bars in TABC world start, end at 2 a.m. Is that right, Todd? Yes, that's correct. I mean, if you look at Grand Prairie, there's six, uh, 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. I mean, you know, I think that would be sufficient. That would cover it for just about any kind of event they'd want to have. So that, that shuts down concerts. I'm, I'm like Miss Short. Like Julie, though. I'm not going to be <laughs> out that late, time, but you know. a lot of the young folks will. Yeah. I, I can tell you, like Toyota Music Factory in Irving, for example, the headliners don't typically start until 10 p.m. Okay. And a set is? Two hours. Okay. All right. So? Um, Taylor Swift's concert is three and a half hours. Right. So, I mean, she's just depending on. Pass, I'm sure. Did, she's probably not playing in Mansfield. Unless, <laughs> I mean, she might. I mean, <laughs> she might, but. Uh, we, we, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. So, it's going to happen one day. Now, maybe so she's like I could see one, 1 a.m. Yeah. being the, the end of concerts. Yeah. All right, so uh, council men and women. So uh, one to six sounds good to everybody. All right, uh, Matt, just to give you some parameters to work with, <laughs> and um, you, you all will have to, you know, maybe Karen and Kira can bring us up on times that we'll know when to do things. We'll, we'll put something together, bring back before you for your consideration. Uh, just for folks listening, to clarify, we do not have a Taylor Swift concert coming. Just wanted to just yeah. clarify that. Yet, Matt. Yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll see. Maybe 2043, something like that. So. Don't want to cause any hysteria. All right. She's going to be 70. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you, Mayor. You got it. Thank you. I'm just saying, yeah, you it, well, you'll push me up. Heck, I won't hear her anyway. So, all right. All right. A discussion regarding accessible parking. Ah, here we go. Thank you, Mayor. Just another yes, update sir. for you uh, to let you know what we're working on. Um, in response to some recent legislation changes, uh, they mm -hmm. uh, changed some of the regulations in regarding enforcement of handicap parking and the signage. So our, our PD no longer has the ability uh, to issue citations uh, to those violating the handicap uh, parking, uh, parking there when they're not supposed to. Um, if they're not if their signs are not in compliance with state law. Uh, so we just wanted to let you all know that we're working on an ordinance amendment 
Uh, we've been working with, with Ashley and Toast to make sure that we're within the bounds uh, legally on what we can do here. But what we're going to do uh, is adopt an ordinance that requires property owners to have the lawful signage. Uh, so it'll, uh, it'll bring in our handicap uh, signage throughout the city and our commercial areas and we're required uh, to have the lawful signs um, as updated by the legislation, uh, at which point the PD again will have the ability uh, to issue citations parked in those spots. Uh, so today, if um, I won't, if they're at a retail center, I don't want to pick on anybody in particular, uh, and they have not updated their signage, our PD does not have the ability to enforce that. So they could not issue a citation. Uh, they could only issue a warning. So this new uh, ordinance will adopt the, the regulation that requires property owners to have the appropriate and legally signed through the state, which will again give our PD the ability to, to issue citations to those in handicapped spots. Uh, so just wanted to give you an update on that, and I'm happy to try to answer any questions that you might have. All right, on my left this time. Questions? Right? Question statements. Matt, in regard to um, notifying our businesses, how would we how are we going to let them know what's happening? We're going to work with code enforcement uh, on that regulatory compliance. Uh, we also anticipate there being a grace period uh, with that. Um, I'll, I will let you know we are currently uh, doing as we as we speak. So uh, you might have noticed some new striping out in our, our city hall. Yes. So we're in process of making sure all of our city facilities and parks are appropriately striped and signed. Uh, so uh, we can kind of lead by example there. Uh, but we will work the regulatory compliance to notify those property owners uh, where necessary, Mayor, and then give work with them. Uh, we are anticipating some type of grace period to allow them to come to compliance. Thank you very much. All right, go ahead, Mr. Tenora. So does the sign have to show the, the amount of the fine? Is it? It just says violator subject to fine, and that's all. It is that the proper sign right there? Yes, I believe so. So what you're saying, if it doesn't say violator subject to fine and towing, then they cannot, they can't issue a citation. Correct. That changes state law. Yes, uh, Councilmember Tenor. So the minimum requirements is just to indicate that there it is subject to a fine. If anyone wants to go above and beyond, they can actually put the amount of the fine they would like, but that's not what's required by the, um, the specifications currently. Okay. How about number of handicapped parking spots? What does our ordinance say today? Uh, Based it, on, is it very, it's got to vary from types of businesses, it correct? It varies on types of business and size uh, based on the, other required parking uh, minimums. So if it's a, a SAMS, you would have a lot more required than you know a, a nail salon. Uh, so okay. it does vary, uh, but it's just based on the, the use. Okay. You good, Councilman? Yeah, I'm good. All right. This is gonna cost you yeah, money. Well, I know. It, it ain't gonna cost you life. <laughs> but we will sacrifice for the public good. All right. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Lewis. So what is, I actually had a resident bring this to my attention. He found out as that state law changed and um, caused this thing where you can park in a spot and yep. they can't get a ticket and so enforcement doesn't work. And um, if you have somebody that needs a handicapped space they're, and they're unavailable, it's a big deal. So what is the timeline that we anticipate of 
the uh, the grace period and flexibility for we're we're going through updating city properties now. We'll make ordinance updates soon, and then notifying property owners from there. What is the timeline and grace period before we begin enforcement? Yeah, we haven't landed on a time. We've we've talked about between forty five and ninety days. Um, you know, our our main thing, just like anything in, in regulatory compliance, is that they come into compliance. Uh, you know, so if there's a, an outstanding circumstance that wouldn't let them do that, we'll, we'll certainly work with certain property owners. But generally speaking, our, our thinking was between 45 and 90 days. Okay, thank you. Sounds fair. Go ahead, Mr. City Manager. Yeah, I think in our experience, 99% of the folks that aren't in compliance didn't know that the law changed. They just have no idea. And our... Our job has, is never to come down on a business. That's the last thing we want to do. You know, we appreciate them doing business here in Mansfield. So we have the ability through our, our utility billing software to look at every business, what their classification is. If it's commercial, industrial, something like that, we'll, we'll be able to pull those addresses and send them a letter or postcard saying, hey, you need to get in compliance. Nicolette's team over in code compliance at some point, we'll begin, uh, you know, going business to business and writing what's called a notice of violation. That notice of violation doesn't carry with it a fine. Just says, "Hey, you, you're out of compliance in this manner. Uh, here's here are the ways in which you can come back into compliance." At that point, we'll give them some time to get it done. I think I just want to I want to make sure that everybody knows our job is to help them get in compliance, not to force them into anything. Thank you for that. <clears throat> All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Appreciate you. All right. Uh, discussion regarding the February 26th, <clears throat> excuse me, the consent agenda items. Council, you have an item that you would like to be pulled for further discussion. Let me do so at this time. Good on my left. All right. Thumbs up. Y'all good? All right. Mr. Lewis, you good? All right. Mr. Newsom, you're fine, sir. All right. Happy day. Good. Moving right along. We'll recess into executive session. Listen to this, guys. Listen to this. So the council will now retire into executive session pursuant to section 551.071, 551.072, Five five one dot zero eight seven to discuss the items as outlined on the agenda, and that's it. Wow! All right, the council will now recess into executive session at one fifty three p.m. Man, a difference, of Ashley.
All right, we're going to reconvene into our regular business session at 5.18 p.m. And at this time, we will go to item number 10, subcommittee reports, item 24-5875, a minute's approval of the uh, February 12, 2024 uh, tax increment reinvestment zone number one board meeting uh, minutes. Uh, our chair is not here, but I do have a report from that committee. Uh, we discussed the proposed municipal community building in Bisteria. Brian Truby and uh, Austin Ash, Overland Partners, presented over the uh, Wisteria District, spoke on goals, concepts, site plans, floor plans, designs, and answered board questions regarding square footage, specifications of the space, building security, and the modular roof. Assistant City Manager Matt Jones answered the questions regarding staffing the building, and there was discussion regarding the proposed cost of the project and the purpose of the venue relating to the design. Ms. Truby gave suggestions and will work with staff on the diagrams. And again, that's based upon uh, council suggestions and recommendations. Council, that's primarily what took place at that particular meeting. Are there any questions in regard to any of that? All right, hearing none, I'd like to uh, receive a motion. Motion to approve. Thank you, Ms. Bounds. Second. Thank you, Mr. Tenora. <clears throat> All right, cast your vote. All right, there we go. All right, and the motion carries 3-0. All right, <clears throat> item 24-5881, minutes, approval of the February 12th, 2024, Annual Audit Committee meeting minutes, and uh, I'm the chair of that meeting, and we heard a favorable report from, the, from our auditors, and we're going to hear more from them during our staff comments at the uh, 6 p.m. hour. All right, any questions? All right, hearing not, please cast your vote. Oh, I'm sorry, if I can have a motion. Todd, if you give me a motion, I appreciate uh, it. Motion to approve. Thank you, sir. All right. Second. Me. All right. M-E. <laughs> All right. Two-zero. All right. Motion carries. All right. Great. <clears throat> Is there any action to take pursuant to executive session? No. All right, we will move now to item 13 then, our consent agenda. All matters listed under the consent agenda have been previously discussed, require little or no deliberation, or are considered to be routine by the council. If discussion is desired, then an item will be removed from the consent agenda and considered separately. Otherwise, approval of the consent agenda authorizes city council, city manager rather, to implement each item in accordance with staff's recommendation. Council, are there any items that need to be removed at this time? All right, a call for a motion. Hearing none, saying none. Move to approve. Thank you, Ms. Short. Second. Thank you, Ms. Bounds. Questions, hearing none, please cast your votes. All right, item carries 6-0. All righty then, moving right along. We will go to, I believe, item 17, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, new business. I'm 24-5878 is an ordinance of the city of Mansfield, Texas, 
approving a development agreement with Align Data Centers regarding the development of approximately 26.897 acres generally located at the northeast corner of Heritage Parkway South and Britain Road, approving a concept uh, plan and phasing plan, providing that this ordinance shall be cumulative of all ordinances, providing a savings clause, and providing for a penalty clause, providing a severability clause, and providing an effective date. Mr. Alexander is our presenter. Thank you, Honorable Mayor. Good evening, Sir. City Council. This is a development agreement before you this evening pursuant to the provisions of the S South Mansfield Forum-Based Development District, or as we affectionately call it, SOMA. Some of the parameters of this development agreement include laying out the transect zones. There are two, the T4 urban transition transect zone and T5 the urban center transect zone. There is something unique in this development agreement due to the unique nature of one of the users, which is a data center. There is the introduction of a term called intrinsic character. And the purpose of that is to allow for a deviation from some of the requirements in SOMA due to the nature of the use, the placement of the building or buildings, and the form and massing of the building or buildings on the site. And I'll get to a few of those items in a moment. Pursuant to those parameters for this development agreement, the minimum building height will be 50 feet. What is different, there are no stories required, a minimum of 50 parking spaces and increased considerations for the building setbacks because of the intrinsic character of one of the uses, which is for a data center, also exempting the developer from shop front building frontage requirements and a maximum length of a building facade. To assist with some of the aesthetics and some of the concerns that were brought to the city council at the last public hearing, there is a landscaped berm and an acoustic wall provided. That acoustic wall does surround the generators that are to the rear of the building. And there is also elevated streetscape design that will satisfy the civic space requirements. The streetscape design that satisfies those civic space requirements is outside of the fence that would surround this element generally as I've outlined on the screen, so that way it does contribute to the streetscape. And then in the back, there is the berm there that is heavily landscaped, along with the acoustic wall that surrounds the mechanical yard that has the generators there. And this is the phasing plan. The developer anticipates that the project will be completed over two phases with the first phase encompassing about 433,000 square feet for a data center as you see there. And here are some elevations that generally show the building that is in alignment with the phasing plan as well. And this is an example of the fence that they are wanting to provide to help with security measures. And these are some renderings of what it will look like at completion. So again, in sum, the project is expected to be completed in two phases, 
The Department of Planning and Development Services recommends approval of the development agreement as presented. And I'll pause there to answer any questions City Council may have. All right, thank you, sir. Beginning on my right, are there any questions or statements regarding uh, what we have presented today? Mr. Newsom? Yes, sir. Just real quick. Um, I don't know, you know, with the developer, I think they've done an excellent job mitigating what a lot of our uh, concerns are from the city, from the city's standpoint, and, um, and at best efforts, still trying to attempt to mitigate those concerns from uh, the adjacent neighborhoods. I don't, in whether this comes from, you know, the council or probably not, but maybe staff could reach out and see if there's any way at all that they might be willing to, you know, look at, you know, on, the, on their own version, I mean, just something that they can do, work it out with the city, but maybe offering um, some funds to plant some additional trees outside of maybe their boundaries that would help the citizens. I know we're a tree city USA and something like that, um, you know, would go a long way, uh, you know, from their standpoint to me, um, you know, for the citizens, whatever that looks like. I mean, nothing that has to be tied to anything that we're doing, but maybe if we can mention that to the developer, uh, that'd be great. Yes, sir. Certainly we mentioned that to you, developer, and have our landscaping division reach out to continue those discussions with yeah. them. And again, nothing, nothing at all that requires, that's a stipulation by any means, uh, not binding them to do something, but just something that they might be willing to do. Yes, sir. All right. On my left. On my right. Anybody else? All good. All right, then. Well, thank you very much. I will call for a motion on this item. <laughs> Move to approve. Thank you, Ms. Short. Second. All right. Thank you, Mr. Newsom. All right. Please cast your votes. And that item carries 6-0. Thank you all very much. All right. We will take a 30-minute recess at this time. Come back at 6 p.m. We're going to get started here, about 30-some-odd seconds, straight up 6 p.m., and we'll be rolling. Good evening. We're going to reconvene into our regular business session at uh, 6 p.m. on the dot. And we will have our invocation by uh, Jared Hyde from Mansfield High School, then our Pledge of Allegiance by Mr. Brent Newsom, and our Texas Pledge by Ms. Julie Short. And I would just ask that in respect to the prayer and the pledge, any men have their 
hats on if you would remove them during the process. Thank you so very much. All right, Mr. Hyde. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us all here together. Just pray that you will continue to work through our community and our schools. Just continue to grow the faith and just keep us together as a community, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Very much. You may be seated. We are so fortunate tonight to have the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here with us. And we know that great work is taking place through this particular ministry. And we want to give you an opportunity to uh, share with us, each of the students from their given high school, share with us about what God is doing. Yes, sir. So my name is Jared Hyde. I go to Mansfield High School. And FCA program has just grown so much in my four years of being here. I remember when we started out in a classroom of only like 20 to 30 kids, and now we're packed out a whole gymnasium. It's just crazy how much it's grown. Outstanding. Outstanding. Thank you very yes, much. All right. I understand we might may have other students. <clears throat> you may come as well. Thank you for that, Mr. Hyde. Good evening, Council. My name is Cedric Hughes. I'm from Smith Senior at Mansfield Summit. Um, my name is Eduardo Estrada. I'm a junior, also at Mansfield Summit. And it started, FCA started off really small. It started off around 20 students, and now it's grown to over like 250. Um, in my definition, FCA has now become FOC because it is now a fellowship of Christians, not only a fellowship of Christian athletes. So I've seen a major change in the demeanor and attitude of my students at Summer High School, and I thank FCA so much. Yeah, um, we have people come, football athletes, basketball athletes, that come just to hear the word right before practice. They actually have to leave mid-session most days to, to catch practice, but they come out of the way to like hear the word, and that just means so much to us. We sometimes we come, we get, we head late to class because we stay afterwards to talk to the pastors and everything, and that's just how much um, God has flown through our community here at Summit High School, and it's just. Like, wonderful to see that change. Yes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. <clears throat> no need to be nervous. We're all excited about what we're hearing. So <laughs> I think we're the ones. Good evening. My name is Solomon Goins, and I've been going to FCA for about four months now. And just what I've noticed about FCA is that it is a very accessible way to, like, just bring the gospel into school. And a lot of times I can't invite people to church for whatever reason, but since it's on campus, I'm able to bring them there and they're able to hear about Christ and, you know, get fed and edified and stuff like that. And additionally, it's just like good training for all the students because, um, you know, like I said, not a lot of us go to church, but being in that community on campus, like we're able to see the people next to us. And as a result of that, we're able to challenge each other to follow Christ to represent him in the best way possible and just to grow as people, and that is really important. Thank you, Saul. All right. You're at Lake Ridge, isn't that right? Yes, 
sir. All right. Good evening. I'm Sarah Haddish, and I'm a sophomore at Legacy High School. Right. So currently at Legacy High School, our FCA has been growing significantly. I remember last year, my freshman year, there only being anywhere from 20 to 40 kids in our pack, and now our pack holds anywhere from 200 to 300 kids weekly. Um, the Lord has been moving significantly in our school since the school year started. Um, I've seen several students accept Christ in our pack, which is truly just an amazing and just struckening, uh, like just an amazing experience. Um, to see students' lives be changed within somewhere as convenient as their school pack is just incredible to be a part of and to witness. Um, it's amazing to see students want to follow the Lord and be a light within our community. <clears throat> Over the past few weeks specifically, we've had multiple students reach out to our leadership team about speaking at FCA, which is not only incredible to see students reaching out, but also feeling led to speak in front of other students. Mm -hmm. We want to thank you for all of your continuous support and prayers, and we just want to thank you all for everything they all are doing for our community. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Excellent. All right. Do we have any others? We can do this all night. I'm telling you, this, this is a good one. <clears throat> We love to hear this kind of stuff. So thank you all very much for the, the work that uh, continues to be done. Ken Slide, just all of you, just we appreciate uh, what you do. And um, thank you for brightening up our evening. Outstanding. Thank you. All right. All right, y'all know I'm a preacher, so I'll get a little happier. So let me keep moving. <clears throat> all righty then. So we will move now to uh, our eighth agenda item, citizens' comments. So those citizens that are wishing to address the council on non-public hearing agenda items uh, and items not on the agenda may do so at this time due to regulations of the Texas Open Meetings Act. Please do not expect a response from the council as we're not able to do so. This will be your only opportunity to speak unless you are speaking on a scheduled public hearing item. After the close of the citizen comments portion of the meeting, only comments related to public hearings will be heard. Again, all comments are limited to five minutes. In order to be recognized during citizen's comments or during a public hearing, applicants included, please complete a blue or yellow card located at the entrance of the chambers and present it to our assistant city secretary seated to my right to your left. And as a reminder, this will be your only opportunity to speak unless you are speaking on a scheduled public hearing item. Again, the council may not respond due to regulations of the Texas Opens Meeting Act. All right, Sigur, do we have any yes, cards? We have none. All right, thank you very much. All right, moving right along, then we move to item number nine, that is council announcements. All right, and Mr. Tenora. Uh, none for me, Mayor. All right, Ms. Short. All right, Mr. Newsom. None, sir. <clears throat> All right, thank you, sir. Ms. Bounds. None for me, Mayor. All right, Mr. Lewis. None for me, sir. All right, and none for me. All right, moving right along to item 11, staff comments. Mr. Smolinski, do we have any comments from staff? We do, Mayor. We have a couple tonight. We're going to start with Matt Young. He's got an update for us on the Veterans Memorial. All right, I think we're bringing up a, a quick slide. Uh, good evening, Mayor and Council. Wanted to give you a brief update on the Veterans Memorial Project. Uh, as you remember, a few years ago, the City Council Subcommittee worked with the Mansfield Veterans Memorial and Tribute Foundation to develop a master plan for redevelopment of Julian Field Park, shown here on the screen right now. Uh, included in that was a Veterans Memorial 
broken into phases. What we've done, this uh, concept was created by Kimley Horn, and so we've requested a proposal from them with a scope of services that would uh, design the first phase, including a main event plaza, a separate memorial plaza that would recognize each of the branches of the military, convert the drainage area that runs through the middle of Julian Field Park into a pond on the, the back set of the main event plaza, a separate pavilion that park users and, and also for the events uh, could take advantage of and provide a little bit more shade, trail with a couple of pedestrian bridges, a monument signage up there at the corner of Broad and Magnolia, similar to what you see uh, along the highway and in our linear park system, something to announce uh, the presence of the facility, restrooms to serve the park users, and then preserve the Serenity Gardens, make some improvements, show it a little bit of love, and uh, keep all the memorial uh, bricks and pavers that are out there, but do a little bit different configuration. And then in the future, we would continue to develop the back half of Julian Field Park with additional loop trail, some scenic overlooks, uh, wildflower areas, and additional parking that would help serve this. So again, we have requested a proposal from Kimley Horn to provide design services for phase one. Uh, we expect to have that here in the next couple of weeks and have a proposal ready for action by the end of March. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. All right, thank you, sir. Are there any questions on my left? Any on my right? Mr. Newsom. Yeah, man, I just thank you for bringing this to us. I know there's quite a few with inside our community and up here that are really excited to see um, this move forward. So thank you. All right, I did all that. Go ahead, Mr. Lestina, did you have your hand up? <laughs> okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Hi. All right, thank you very much, you. Matt. Appreciate it. We're excited about this. All right, go ahead. We have one other. We have one other mayor. We're going to give an update on the uh, annual comprehensive financial right. report. Yes. Good evening, Mayor and City Council. Good evening, sir. Uh, so tonight we are going to give a brief presentation on our annual financial, um, annual comprehensive financial report. Our external auditors from Forvis are here tonight, so they prepared a brief presentation for you. So I'll turn that over to them. We have our audit partner Dan Barone and senior auditor Megan Holyfield here for you. you. Then we'll Thank answer any questions that you may have afterwards. All right. Great, thanks, Brian. Good evening, Mayor and uh, City Council members. Thanks for having us uh, here this evening. Um, we wanna go through the results of the audit of the uh, fiscal year ended uh, 2023. And so what we're gonna do is just walk through um, our presentation that we have. And if you have any questions as we go through this, please uh, don't hesitate to ask us. My name's Dan Barone. I'm not a partner with Forvis and with me is Megan. Megan really does all the work. I'm just here to, to give the presentation. So um, I do wanna first of all thank, thank uh, City Manager Joe and Troy and, and Brian and, and their staff, Maria, and the rest that, that do a lot of work in putting this annual comprehensive financial report together. So thank, appreciate their cooperation and working with us. It's really their document. It's a city's document. We just perform the audit of it. So, But it is a lot of work, and they, they do such a great job over there of putting it together, um, really cooperative and, and always answering our questions, getting us what we need timely. And so... Um, I was just telling them that you know we all are one of our we we audit about thirty plus cities in this area alone, and uh, y'all are one of our first ones that we got out. So congratulations on that. So 
Um, we're just going to quickly walk through some of our scopes and the results, and then we'll have time for questions at the very end. So we will issue, uh, or we have issued, an unmodified or clean opinion. So those are the type of, uh, type of opinion that you want. And we do say opinions because uh, the GASB reporting requires you to have different funds, and so we do give opinions on certain funds, of major funds that are involved in your um, annual comprehensive financial report. Um, we did have an emphasis of matter paragraph in the opinion uh, related to the adoption of, of GASB 94, which deals with your PPPs, your public, public and public-private partnerships and some of those arrangements. So that was a new standard this year. Um, you did not exceed the threshold required for a federal or a state single audit, so that was not required this year and was not performed. The city's uh, significant accounting policies are appropriate, they're adequate, they're described in the footnote one uh, of the annual comprehensive financial report. Um, as I previously mentioned, we did have the implementation. There was actually two new standards this year. You had GASB 94, which I just mentioned, and there was also GASB 96, which, which deals with um, uh, leases of subscription-based IT arrangements. So the city did implement that. It wasn't material to the financial statements as a whole, but there are um, some of those arrangements that are included in there, basically like a lease where you have the right to use asset and, uh, and an offsetting uh, deferred income for that as well, too. So uh, There was no alternative accounting treatments. Everything is, is in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. Some of the areas uh, where we focus on uh, our management's estimates, and some of those are really re related to your, your pension and your OPEB, um, your liabilities, uh, and your, um, uh, your uh, disclosures related to those really have a lot of actuarial assumptions and methods that are used, so we do look at those to make sure that they are reasonable. The financial statements also include um, different disclosures in the footnotes, and some of the larger ones, more significant ones, deal with the, the liabilities for the pension and OPEB, as I mentioned, um, tax abatements, and then also some of the leases, the PPPs, and the SABITAs, which are basically the last uh, three uh, standards that were put out the last couple of years. So there's a lot of information on that as well, too, in the disclosures. We did have two very insignificant uh, minor uh, audit adjustments. Um, one of them was, was booked and the other one was, uh, was uncorrected or, or passed on. So as I mentioned, they're both very insignificant, um, but, but we do have to, uh, to disclose that to you. So we did have those two minor adjustments. We didn't have any matters reportable about the quality of the accounting policies and principles. We, as I mentioned, they are adequate and they're appropriate. Um, we did have discussions with management throughout the year related to the implementation of the two new standards, and, and they did a great job with, with working with us and getting those um, properly uh, implemented. Uh, we didn't have any disagreements with management throughout the process. So that's all we have. All in all, a, a great job, and um, we'll answer any questions you may have. All right. Thank you very much. All right. On my right, any questions? Mr. Lewis? some bounds, y'all look good, all right, on my left. All right, thank you for just continuing to verify the great team that we have in regard to our finance team. So we appreciate the fine work and we appreciate you, Ms. Listina, and the group that you lead, sir. Thank you. Yeah, if I can, Mayor, I just wanna say, <clears throat> there's four of the team members here today. Uh, we actually got them almost to the front row, but uh, most of the time they like to sit in the back row. 
Uh, we got them almost to the front row. So again, just thank you to everything that they do uh, on a daily basis. You know, the last year and a half has been uh, a little rough. We've done some system implementations, we've had some personnel changes, and so they've had their challenges, but uh, they've come through with flying colors. So we appreciate everything that they do. All right, thank you. All right, Mr. Smolinski, do we have any other reports? Okay, thank you very much. All right, items 12 and 13 have been taken care of already, so we'll move to item 14. That is our public hearing and resolution. Item 24-5880, resolution, public hearing, resolution approving and endorsing the 2024, 50th year community development block grant Project for Downtown Neighborhood Sidewalks, the Southwest Quadrant. Mr. Coffman. Good evening, Mayor. Good Council. evening, sir. Uh, tonight we're bringing you a resolution uh, approving and endorsing the 2024 uh, 50th year CDBG project that you just mentioned. Uh, this year we wanted to rethink uh, how we apply these uh, CDBG funds, and so we've decided to focus on uh, pedestrian connectivity. And so we talked about the areas that uh, have that, uh, that qualify uh, in the CDBG program, uh, but yet uh, uh, have the need for pedestrian connectivity. So we decided to focus on the southwest quadrant of downtown. So what you see bounded here in red uh, is the area that we have scoped out uh, basically to provide a five-foot sidewalks on uh, both sides of the street where it's feasible. Uh, we know that some places grades cause an issue and there may just be some sides of the street we just can't do it. Uh, but for this entire area, uh, all of those linear footages on both sides of the street would be approximately 10,000 linear feet. And that includes uh, the, the project will need to include reconstructing or constructing new sidewalk ramps uh, at each intersection uh, to make everything ADA compliant, as well as reconstructing several existing drive approaches to make that ADA compliant. So it's very difficult to uh, basically try to uh, apply a certain area uh, without getting a definite estimate for that scope. So what we've done is define this area. We do have an entire scope and cost opinion for the entire area that would be the $1.339 million that you see for that area. And every year annually we anticipate uh, we've gotten a little over 200,000 uh, from the community development block grant uh, for the projects. So basically this would be uh, funding this project to be focused in this area and then we can, we can decide uh, with feedback uh, how we want to move forward with scoping the actual design projects uh, once, we, once we make that determination. So I'll be happy to, to answer any questions. All right, I saw on my left this time. Any questions? <clears throat> Statements? All right. On my right, go ahead, Mr. Lewis. Yeah, Mayor, uh, just um, as I was looking through this and, and thinking about it, I think... In general, I like the idea of um, using CDBG dollars specifically for sidewalks in areas in, that we have deemed walkable and are trying to help facilitate and redevelop. Um, where I struggle with the CDBG, it's, 
it doesn't require a matching or city participation. We can just use those funds in those areas to accomplish a project. Is that correct? That's correct. So where, where I struggle right now is we have a lot of priorities in the, around the whole city. And this scope to do this whole southwest quadrant would require, based on the opinion of probable cost, a, a debt issuance of $1.1 million to put sidewalks in the southwest quadrant of downtown. And we have a lot of other projects that a million dollars could really go toward. So what I'd recommend or like to see is that we use the $200,000 of CDBG dollars, get as far as you can with sidewalks where it makes sense, and continually work through that, unless we really want to, as a council, say, let's, let's put sidewalks in all of downtown as one of our capital projects in our priority list, and then we issue debt and go do sidewalks in all of downtown. But just because it's $200,000 of CDBG, we shouldn't, in my opinion, go borrow capital and put into our CIP plan this southwest quadrant or sidewalks in downtown hasn't risen to a priority level for us I don't think in where we're issuing <coughs> our limited debt capacity um, to be able to do different projects particularly in an area that is redeveloping currently where um, a lot of businesses buildings developers and builders have already personally paid to put in those sidewalks to come in and connect those with others when those properties are going to redevelop. So I, it's just the big picture general thought. Wanted to get council's feedback on if if we wanted to go ahead and, and focus on that. That was the first piece. And then the second was if we're going to do this and it's supposed to be a walkable uh, environment, we would, if you're doing sidewalks in that area, you would also want to do pedestrian scale street lighting into the project. So if we are going to be going larger than this um, to do the whole quadrant and issue debt to do all the sidewalks, I would think you would want to also do the sidewalks with this pedestrian scale street lighting. So okay. those are my comments right. and feedback, but would love good, to hear. Good comments, Mr. Lewis, and I believe that uh, Ms. Kaufman we'll be able to speak to that specifically. So we'll give him an opportunity, then I'll come back to council. All right, All right go ahead, Ms. Kaufman. Yeah, so like I said, uh, we, we basically have this boundary and the cost as a gauge, but as we go through these projects annually, the uh, Tarrant County, we do the project, we do the program through Tarrant County, and they actually contract with the engineer uh, for the design so this is a public hearing to approve the project uh, as a whole, and then they will start contracting later this spring or the summer. So if there is a specific desire to focus on a particular block or even a section, uh, we can have them do a more detailed cost estimate okay. before they finish scoping with the engineer. Uh, as far as street lighting, I they're very particular about what you can include in a CDBG project as far as infrastructure. So it's usually roadway and, and pedestrian elements. Uh, but if lighting, if we can show that there's a safety concern and there's a need for that, uh, even if we fund it, sometimes they don't like blending all of the scope in there. Uh, but I suspect it, it should be fine as long as it makes sense to be in the scope. So. I think I would be able to take back the idea of whatever we would like to propose 
and make try to work that into a scope and make sure that they're okay with it and that it actually works under this funding. Uh, so I think it, as long as we have an idea about where we want to go to that, that can be proposed. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, Ms. Bounds, I saw you had your... Go ahead, ma'am. Just a couple of questions. So the anticipated annual CBG grant, um, is that pretty much a guarantee for the 200000 a year? It has been just a little, yes, to answer your question, yes. It has been historically just a little bit over that, but it averages between 180 and 220 a year. So if we took this whole area and then we drilled down on it and decided that there needed to be other areas in here of importance, you would be able to find out what that is and get us a cost for that. And then based on that, could we look at projecting out some of the other areas over a time frame since we pretty much know we'll get the 200,000 to be able to pay for those as time warrants? Sure, I think part of the scope could be on this initial project is for the design consultant to, once he starts into that scope, to be able to kind of, we could do an assessment of where those existing walks are, uh, where properties have developed and kind of make a strategic decision and kind of a plan uh, for how to do that uh, once we kind of have an idea of that's the direction we want to go. And then you'll bring that back to us to look at? Yes, the CDBG project needs to actually get the scope and the cost with the, the design consultant and that all does get approved at a separate at a, at a separate meeting. So we could certainly, if we need to discuss that in any kind of work session or something, we could talk about that ahead of time and then initialize that uh, first project and then yes, have a long-term plan, if you will, to, to do that on an annual basis with that 200,000 anticipated a year. Thank you. Okay, all right. <clears throat> sure, go ahead. I know that when anytime we have an event downtown, there's lots of parking that happens in this area specifically. Was that part of the reason that this area was chosen? That, that That's an obvious, uh, I guess, one of the uh, certain that applies to connectivity, but there may be more than that. Maybe Matt can speak to that. Yeah, I think some of that went into that downtown strategy plan that we did with the event parking and providing a safe walk for those when, when they're attending those events downtown, uh, but also knowing that we're probably going to have continued uh, investment not just on Main Street but around Main Street and how do we connect into those future improvements coming and just really kind of play into um, providing more you know, pedestrian connectivity from Main Street, from our shopping and retail and dining out into the neighborhoods. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, and I just wanted to make sure that other people knew that um, it wasn't, there was all of reason, not just this area chosen randomly, but it does kind of fit in with the downtown plan. So I think if we were going to scale it down at all, we'd probably start from Main Street and work our way back. Uh, just because of the activities that happen now and will be happening in the future in that area. Okay. All right. Ms. Smolinski, would you like to um, add to that, sir? Thank you. Mrs. Short, I don't think you could have said that better, actually. Start from Maine and Broad and start working our way back. First thing we look at when we talk about CDBG funds is what does an area qualify for it? So we're not, 
we can't go and just strategically pick around the city where we want to spend these dollars, these grant funds uh, that's dictated to us where they can be spent. Uh, pedestrian connectivity is one of the strategic priorities of the city council, uh, as is redevelopment of the downtown. So when you pair those three things together, this is an area that just kind of jumped out at us. We've had targeted reinvestment in this, in this particular quadrant, in the southwest quadrant of historic downtown. Uh, so what we've had is as, as builders go in and build new structures, they're putting the sidewalks in. So what we have now are a bunch of sidewalks that lead to a patch of grass. So it's a patchwork, if, if you will, of sidewalks. Uh, and that's, that's a bad thing. So what we'd like to do is use $200,000 in CDBG funds each year and dedicate those toward, to, to your point, Mr. Lewis, dedicate that toward this project. You're right, pedestrian lighting and pedestrian scale lighting, stuff like that is critical as well. Um, but what we're not recommending or not suggesting here is that we go out and issue an additional $1.1 million of debt and pilot on top of this 200. We'd like to do some targeted investment starting at that north east corner of this quadrant and work our way back as far as we can, filling in those gaps. Uh, we also know where some targeted properties are probably going to redevelop, so we don't want to build that infrastructure in front of that. We want that to fill in. But that does require significant uh, looking at that, significant study, uh, which, which Raymond and his team have done. So yes, that's, that's how this particular quadrant got on the agenda in front of you. It's time for us to dedicate a project for that. Historically, we have spent this on roadway projects, mm -hmm. and you cannot do a roadway for $200,000. You simply cannot do that. Uh, it's, maybe it's a million dollars. So what we'll do is we'll allocate CDBG funds to a project that qualifies or an area that qualifies, and then issue bonds, issue debt, for the remainder of the cost of that. That's not what we're suggesting today. What we're suggesting is that we start chipping away at this issue that we know is a priority for council, uh, $200,000 at a time. Okay. All right, and the, any further comments to my left and my right? Just want to clarify ahead, the Lewis. motion in being requested tonight in the resolution is that we are identifying this area for study as, a pro as the project plan for CDBG but at future dates, that'll be when we say, okay, this year CDBG dollars are going to go to sidewalks on XYZ Street. Is that correct? That's what the resolution is tonight, is just identifying the target area. We'll have future discussions related to. Yes, I where. would need to make sure that since I, I would need to make sure that that's, since this is simply just to approve the project for Tarrant County, we have to we have to word the resolution to their liking. Uh, right. So I would have to go back just to make sure that we can make that work with that. So um, I, I would have to look at it because I, we, like I said, we're bound by their wording. So would you like action on the current resolution since it's posted and then if it's wrong, we can well, take action at a different time? Sound like that's what you want. You, you, you want it more generalized. We needed to have, I think, yes, if you want to. The, the current resolution isn't specific to any one right. thing. It just says downtown neighborhood sidewalks isn't eligible right. funding, Excuse and um, we've held a public hearing discussing this. Right. So, right. I'm just saying, if, if Tarrant County in the, in the program decides that there needed to be something more clarified in the wording of the resolution, then I can, we can make that, I can rework that later. Um, 
I'll just have to check that because like TxDOT, they require that specific yeah. wording. So we'll, we'll take action on this tonight and if there's yes. a problem, we can come back and we'll, clean we'll it up. We'll take action on it tonight and I think to Mr. Kaufman's point, this just identifies this general region and we can come back in a workshop and identify the specific projects for this year. But moving forward with the resolution tonight allows us to do that. Yeah. And I think Ms. Short has an uh, idea in regard to uh, uh, the motion that we'll will have on this as well. So I think we'll be good. All right. We're going to see in about two minutes. All right. Therefore, I will open the public hearing at 6.32 p.m. Do we have any cards, Ms. Seeger? Yes, sir. All right. Then I will close it at 6.32 p.m. And I will call for a motion, Ms. Short. Motion to approve with the understanding that we'll use the grant from the CBDG and not issue any debt for this project at this time. Second. All right, Mr. Lewis, thank you. Questions for the statements? Hearing none, please cast your vote. All right, motion carries 6-0. Thank you very much. All right, moving on now to item 15, it's public hearing, first reading. Item 24-5879, it's ordinance, public hearing, first reading on an ordinance approving a change of zoning from single-family residential district to planned development district for attached single-family residential row houses. Uh, uses on approximately 2.794 acres out of the Henry McGeehee survey, abstract number 989. Tarrant County, Texas, located at 1225 East Debbie Lane, 5E Real Estate Developer. Zoning case number 23-026, Mr. Alexander. Thank you, Mayor. Sir. City Council, this is a request to rezone approximately 2.8 acres from single-family residential district to PD Plant Development District. Here is an aerial view of the property. It is generally located directly behind the Kroger Shopping Center at the intersection of East Debbie Lane and Matlock Road. The current zoning for the property, which is again, single family residential district. And you can see the surrounding properties are also zoned as single family residential district, as well as multifamily residential district and community business district. And here are some photographs of the property. And you can see this from the fire lane. And one that is a little bit closer. In terms of the Mansfield 2040 plan, the land use designation for this area is mixed use local. I would key you in on the following clause that residential uses should be designed to support non-residential functions and vice versa. Site access and circulation conditions should promote the shared use of utilities, parking, and common areas. And in terms of the density, it is a little shy of nine, which is less than the average residential density as shown in this image for mixed use local. The land use intensity is appropriate and recommended building scale is two to four stories. This project consists of two and three story units as proposed. 
again, a development will consist of 25 row houses, and once you account for some of the infrastructure and some of the other paved areas for access, just shy of two and a half acres, all the row houses will be accessed from the rear. There is a central civic space, and it is designed in a manner so that all of the homes front on the civic space and frame this shared space. And you can see that here in the drawing that all of the dwellings frame this area. And there are multiple access for pedestrians to come and gather in this area. And the inspiration for that does come from a development that we're all familiar with. And this is Trillith in Fayetteville, Georgia. And that leads to the landscaping plan that is in front of you. And in particular, this area right here is well landscaped and it consists of outdoor seating, a water fountain, and some other features that encourage, again, neighbors to come and interact with each other. In terms of architectural inspiration, some of the projects that help inspire this project include row houses that are on Foch Street in downtown Fort Worth, and row houses that were constructed in Serenby, which is in Chattahoochee Hills, Georgia. And that leads to these typologies that the developer is proposing. And in particular, I would draw your attention to the cornice line detailing there at the bottom of the screen. And the reason why I draw your attention to that is because it really caps this architectural composition for the row homes, and it also helps with creating architectural variety. And you see that again referenced here in the two-story topology, again with all of the garage doors to the rear, and you also see a little bit more of the detailing in the windows there facing the open space. And again, that is to help create a strong sense of place, even with the fact that these units will be behind a shopping center if approved. The changes only request is consistent with the land use intensity, building scale, and appropriateness rating that are found in the Mansfield 2040 plan. The planning and zoning commission met on February 5th, 2024. It recommended approval of the request with the following conditions that are generally summarized below, that the first story have a minimum ceiling height of nine feet and that the windows have increased detailing. Those changes were incorporated into this proposed PD plant development district. And we are working with the developer on one more item that deals with aesthetics and that's for door yards, and right now we're wanting to determine the appropriate depth of those types of frontages to ensure that the open space is activated and enhanced. The Department of Planning and Development Services recommends approval of the requested change in zoning as presented. I do believe the applicant is here, Mayor, and if I may, yeah. yield to them for a short presentation. Please, all right, thank you very much. As the applicant comes, just please state your name and address, and we are ready to hear from you. Good evening, Council. Um, evening. Mayor, my name is Eric Trentlaw. Hi there, I'm Graham Pierce, also part of the development team. 
Um, originally, uh, I think we had some slides, but we, we took them out. But um, I, I think uh, the overall idea is that we're taking a space behind Kroger that it was initially um, kind of left behind. And so we tried to come up with ideas that we thought would be most beneficial and highest and best use for everyone. Um, that being said, I know there was original discussion of you know storage, warehouses, office, all that sort of stuff. And we've kind of come to um, what we thought was the best use of the space. We think it's a community that um, could do really well. And we're, we're pretty confident um, just in the, the ability to sell these things. So all right. I don't know if you have. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. Thank you. If you just yeah. re remain there, you okay. may have questions from uh, my fellow colleagues. Uh, to my left, in question, Mr. Tenora. Are these uh, uh, built to own or built built to rent? Uh, built to own. They will be individually sold. Okay. Go ahead, Ms. Short. And I'm assuming there's an HOA that'll maintain that center space. That is, yes, that is correct. Okay. Great. Thank you. All right. To my right, Ms. Bounds. Um, and also the two-story um, row homes would, will be located next to the homes that are around there, too, to make the transition, correct? That's correct. In an effort to kind of work with the single families behind us, we went two-story on that side. All right. That's all I have. All right. Mr. Lewis. Thank you, Mayor. I have a couple related to ingress and then facilitating everybody else so the main drive in will be um, the section between the two I guess Zaxby's and Burger King that's correct that'll be your main drive in yes. and then is there any interconnection of that roadway to the rest of the shopping center or is that is it going to be kind of partitioned off that that's the road yeah ideally if if we had a lot of open space we'd be open to everything but I think because we're kind of pigeonholed into a corner uh, our access, main access in and out will be through that that easement that we have. Okay. So you won't be able to integrate into the shopping center's lot. It will just be that one line as that you have the like, access easement. Like going behind the other side of Kroger? Um, no, not the other side. When you're, where that drive lane ties in um, on the eastern edge of the site plan. Um, if somebody put it, the site plan up on the... Yeah, if I'm looking at the aerial view, I see that uh, there's some various there roadway connections. Um, so this somewhat shows it basically where that little median island is on the freestanding far side of the right. Yes, sir. So uh, if I lived in here, I would be able to get out into the shopping center yes. parking lot you would be. Okay, we wouldn't just be stuck to force out straight to Matlock. Okay. That's correct. Um, there is an existing eight-foot fence on the southeastern edge of the property. There's fencing around the entire property right yeah. currently. Uh, and so the, the main fence that separates this project from Kroger, that's to remain? Is that correct? Um, yeah, I think the idea is to replace that, but it hasn't been... A, a big item of discussion as of yet. Okay. I I would suggest, if possible, and I, I, I don't know if it's y'all's, if it's Kroger's, if it's working together with it, um, that if I live here, that that is not 
blocked off from me being able to walk to Kroger or to any of the restaurants that are within there. But so if maybe there's the the wood fence is there, but there's some gate sections that tie into the sidewalks or uh, personal preference would be rather than a fence to do some heavy landscaping as the separation instead of the fence. Um, it doesn't make sense to me that if I live behind a Kroger that I would have to get in my car to drive to the grocery store. Um, so uh, the idea is to have a couple of pedestrian access points, um, but also have that fencing in place for kind of a sense of security and privacy because you're backing up to those loading docks back there. Um, And so the idea would be able to have one or two spots where this, you know, the space is very walkable is the idea. Uh, And we're kind of trying to work with Kroger on that accessibility. Okay. I just see it's very clear on the site plan that I say the eight foot wood panel fence to remain is what it says on the site plan. if you look, if you could zoom in on that screen on the right-hand side, kind of toward the top, there's an arrow that points to it. That screen won't zoom in, but um, it, it says very clearly eight-foot wood fence, wood panel fence to remain, and so um, that's just a concern. If by the second reading, if you can address how that's going to function or where you intend, or if Mr. Alexander can probably help you with language within the PD. Um, I would not be in support of this project if that fence were to remain as it is today or if it were put up entirely. There needs to be walking access between the two projects. Okay. All right, thank you. Ms. Bounds, Mr. Newsom, do you all have anything? Okay. You know, my, my only concern is, of course, I know that the space is, is tight. Just just entering and exiting just looks really, really tight. And, of course, I know this based upon the configuration of the, the site itself. You all have nothing to do with that. That's, that's just my primary concern uh, in, in that regard. And, yeah, so thank you. That's all. I'll thank say you. about that. Okay. All right. All right. All right, then. I will uh, open the uh, public hearing at uh, 6.46 p.m. Do we have a card, Ms. Seeger? Thank you, ma'am. All right, Mr. Jeffrey Davis, you will come and again state your name and your address for the record. And, sir, you have five minutes. Uh, Good evening, Mayor and Council members. Uh, My name is Jeffrey Davis. Uh, My wife and I reside at 3008 Upland Drive. Uh, Mansfield, we are immediately west of the proposed property that uh, they just spoke on. Uh, concerns that we had as far as my professions uh, working with uh, crash analysis for Arlington PD is one, uh, that rear facing garage, whether or not someone could possibly uh, reverse at a high speed or come around the curve at a high speed and end up in one of the Few one of those residents include mine <laughs> along that uh, fence and borderline. Were they preparing? Any, pre- uh, were they going to place any kind of speed enforcement barrier, anything like that, that could prevent that from possibly happening? Uh, I spoke. Well, I heard it with uh, one of the council members speak and say that uh, an HOA would be uh, governing. I know one of the hot topics in North Texas currently is short-term rentals. 
Uh, one of the things we see are these property management companies coming in, purchasing the property, and then they're being put on Airbnb or being rented out as such. That's one of the, those concerns that I, my wife and I actually had as far as with that along with possibly the safety of someone in one of the rear-facing two-story properties backing up and ending up in our, in our backyard or into our property. Um, and of course, with the HOA uh, that you said would be enforced with that uh, property itself. Uh, as far as my other concerns, that's pretty much it as far as my concerns for this property. All right, thank you, Mr. Thank Davis. You. All right, is this all we have, ma'am? Okay, thank you very much. All right, then, I will uh, continue the uh, public hearing at uh, 6.48 uh, p.m. All right, as we um, prepare to uh, receive a motion, I, I am curious, uh, Mr. Alexander, in regard to uh, what we heard from uh, Mr. Davis, uh, if we could have uh, any answers to, to what we heard. Yes, sir. We can certainly work with the developer on addressing some of those concerns about safety with vehicular movements in the back of the proposed development. And then in terms of short-term rentals, that isn't a use that is listed as a permitted use under this proposed PD plant development district. And then finally, in terms of the rental registration ordinance, any entity or individual that would come in and would acquire three or more of the lots and the dwellings on them for rent would have to register with the Department of Regulatory Compliance. Okay, all right. Are there any, any other statements, any other comments? Y'all okay? All right, y'all all right? Jason, is, this, is it a gated community? It is, sir. Okay. Right. I do have a question or a suggestion to sure, go address ahead, Mr. Lewis. the comments that came in. Mr. Alexander, I see on the western boundary a five-foot rear yard setback, um, which is basically between the fence and the, uh, the drive lane for the alley. Is that correct? Correct. I don't have in my packet a landscape plan, but I assume that that would be possible to maybe put some evergreen shrubs in that five-foot easement that would protect... Um, at maturity, those that back fence from if a car were to go out, they would hit a tree, not go through a fence. Yes, sir. <laughs> that could be a mechanism. Okay. So I, I know you would work through that with staff, but just want to make sure that we had a resident speak out this evening about it, just that we would look for ways to address those concerns. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. All right. Any other statements? All right. All right, then. Hearing none, I will call for a motion. Move to approve. Thank you, Ms. Short. Second. Thank you. Who was that? Mr. Lewis. Thank you, sir. All right. Any further statements? Hearing none, call question. Please cast your votes. All right. And the motion carries 6-0. Thank you all very much. All right, item 16, public hearing, continuation, and second and final reading, item 24-5851, ordinance, public hearing, continuation, second and final reading on an ordinance approving a change of zoning from 
pre-development district to plan development district for a mixed lot single family residential development on 32.352 acres out of the James McDonald survey abstract number 997 Tarrant County Texas located at 1970 North Main Street Kenny family living trust owner Arcadia Realty Corporation developer uh, and our zoning case number is 23-018 Mr. Alexander thank you honorable mayor yes, the developer has requested that the City Council consider tabling this item indefinitely. There were some items that were brought to their attention at the last public hearing that they would like to take time to adequately address and would humbly request that City Council consider tabling indefinitely until staff is ready to bring it back with those items addressed. All right, thank you. What's the pleasure of my colleagues in regard to this item? All right, well, I'll call for a motion then. Motion to table indefinitely. Thank Second. you, Ms. Short. All right, and that's Ms. Bounds. All right, uh, hearing no more statements, do, please. Do we need to hold a public hearing since it is posted, or does the table, motion to table? No, not with the table. Okay, cool, just making sure. Thanks. All right. I know you were just testing me there, young man. All right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> the motion to table. All right, carries six zero. Oh my goodness, I didn't hear anybody regarding item 18. I think we're done. Are we motion done? to adjourn. Early. Second. I, motion to goodness. adjourn. <clears throat> Second. I caught somebody off guard. Now, who was it that gave the motion? <laughs> Mr. Lewis? Uh, all right. I was too. He threw me. All right, cast your votes. <laughs> all right. Motion carries 6-0. We are adjourned at 6.53 p.m. Thank you all for a great evening. See you soon.